We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. This is Cheryl Broderson in studio with my friend and co-host, Robin Jones Gunn here. And we're at part three of a woman that, um, her name is Dondaladina Cameron, but she went by Dolly. And if you haven't listened to part two or part one, then stop. Yes. Go back to part one, then listen to part two, because we want you to uh, catch and understand the whole uh, narrative of Dolly's story. And I just want to give you sort of a picture. I am looking at a photograph from 1900, which is when Dolly would have been in San Francisco. Yes. And she's lovely. She's gorgeous. And uh, uh, we have a book that Cheryl found that's um, listed. We have at the... um, Yeah, we'll put it on the website. Yes, so you can have the resources that we go to, but the picture of her on the cover when Cheryl first sent it to me I said oh she just has rose petal skin this yes this woman who was raised born on a New Zealand ranch right sheep ranch yep ranch and then lived in San Gabriel on a ranch and had this travel travel in areas that were not developed and that's right then this tough grit yeah and her mom died when she was young right and then her father when she was 19 and it would seem at one point for Dolly all roads were closed you know, yes. and instead, uh, God was going to send her on a incredible mission in San Francisco. She didn't have to travel the world uh, she truly for this glows. mission. In her photos, she, does. she truly glows. This, that love of the Lord that comes right through. Yes. So glad you introduced her to us. Yes. Fascinating. Well, for those who are just tuning in, um, Dolly, um, as Robin mentioned, had been born in New Zealand uh, to Scottish parents a year after she arrived in the United States. Her mother died. Her father died when she was 19. She was asked to take over this mission house in um, San Francisco uh, to rescue, supervise, and teach young Chinese girls who were being rescued out of slave trafficking. And it was hard. It was arduous. But Dolly did it with joy and deeply, Mm -hmm. passionately loved these young women, which I think made all the difference. And I'm so glad she kept track of their stories because here we are a hundred years later. That's right. We can learn what was happening at that time in history, but then also hear these beautiful stories that you're going to tell us today. I've got more stories. We can't wait. These young women. When we ended our last session, it had been the San Francisco earthquake and it had um, destroyed Uh, the mission house at 920 Sacramento Street. And so it had been dynamited. And again, the Foreign uh, Missions Board is trying to raise the money to get it rebuilt. Our timeline, that's 1906, right? right? And so this is 1907, 1908. And during this time too, Dolly would uh, go to different churches at times and speak. And she was such an enthusiastic speaker and she loved the mission uh, how so much and the work that the Lord was doing there. And again, she would take sometimes some of these young girls that were also eloquent to tell their story. Mm, and that awesome. helped to raise yeah. support to build the new mission house. Uh, before they could move to the mission house, though, they moved to a house on 11th Street in Oakland. But this was uh, more like a farm. And they were able to um, raise animals. And each girl was given her own plot of um, land uh, to raise her own vegetables. 
And so they they actually had fun. They loved gathering the eggs. And Dolly took it as a time for these women to learn um, sure. all sorts of skills. And new opportunities this way. for them. Yeah. And think about how, how good Dolly was because she was raised on ranches. <laughs> she was with, ready. <laughs> with little vegetable farms. Yes. So she knew how to do this and how to teach uh, the girls. But on April 14, 1908, the new mission house was built and ready for occupancy. Dolly had asked them for a warmer, more inviting atmosphere. Because they were always under the threat of being raided by crooked policemen, she also created hiding places for the girls who would be in the greatest jeopardy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So she was part of the design, but she felt like the first house had been too austere. And she wanted to create a warmer environment so that the girls felt like they had come home and that they were well-loved. Again, I said that Dolly was um, under uh, constant threat. She was famous for climbing over roofs, crawling under basements, uh, crawling through basements, sorry, (laughs) wiggling through cupboards and windows or whatever it took to save women. One time she on impulse pulled up some linoleum tiling on the floor at a gambling den. There suspended in the floor below were four women held in a cage. Oh, they were valued by their owners at $16,000. Oh, One day she was on a bus in San Diego with a friend when she suddenly said to the friend she was supposed to speak at a conference um, talking about the mission house. But she said to the friend, you go on to the conference. I feel like I'm supposed to get off here. I will meet you there. She got off at the street and turned the corner when she was hailed by someone she knew. It was a he told her that there was a young girl who was in trouble. Her name was Sui Sin. She had been wounded and was in the hospital withdrawing from opium. She was in danger of being claimed by one of her handlers. So Dolly went to the hospital and stayed with her until she was released, even missing the conference. They took her, uh, Dolly then took her by train up to the mission. Sui Sin was so thankful for the attention and care of Dolly that she gave Dolly an opal ring and said to Dolly, I will be a good daughter for the rest of my life if you will only teach me. Mm. Um, one of the greatest enemies of Dolly was uh, a woman named Oikum, or also in San Francisco as Opium Amy. Now, um, by this time, Dolly had gotten such a reputation in San Francisco that she was called the White Devil by the Tongs. And she was called Lomo by the women in the home, which meant old mother, which is hilarious considering she's like in her 30s or 40s. (laughs) But Opium Amy was glamorous, and she owned one of the most infamous brothels in San Francisco. And she always dressed herself elegantly. And after years as a slave herself, Opium Amy had started dealing opium and made enough money to start her own trafficking business. And many of the girls rescued from Opium Amy had told horror stories about how cruel Opium Amy could be. Mm. So one day, Dolly received a note from a young girl asking for help. So Dolly called on a friend, Charles Shepard, who was a pastor in the area, and they went to the address. And as the door opened, she saw Opium Amy, but she looked around for a girl to rescue, but there wasn't one. Then she turned to Opium Amy and said, did you write the note for me to come? And the once proud madam admitted that she was the one who had written the note. She was in trouble. 
She had fallen into debt and couldn't pay her debt. Her life was in jeopardy. Dolly wasn't sure if this was a ploy, if Opium Amy was just trying to get in the house so she could recruit the girls or threaten them. So she told uh, she told her uh, that Opium Amy that she would be better in jail for a few days. And strangely enough, Opium Amy agreed. I'll go to jail. And after a week or so in jail, um, Opium Amy uh, wanted refuge at the mission house. Most of the staff said, no way. We don't want her here sure. at all. But <laughs> Dolly prayed and felt that she was supposed to take her in. So she talked to Opium Amy and she said, I'll take you in on one condition. And she said this, my Savior has given me great mercy and asked me to follow, but you will live in a locked room and you will not take part in the regular activities of the home until I am certain you do not intend to do harm. If you agree to this, you may stay at 920. Opium Amy meekly agreed. Teen Wu took Opium Amy food every day. And Oi Kim, as she's also known, was severely ill. She was hospitalized and then recovered and came back to the mission house. She didn't cause trouble, but her countenance was so dark. About the same time, a missionary from China came to stay for a time at the mission house, and her name was Amy Law. Amy was told the story of Opium Kim, uh, Opium Amy, and she said, I, I want to meet the other Amy. So Amy Law went into the room, and she began to spend several hours with Oi Kim, and she would tell the woman all about Jesus and the possibility of forgiveness of her sins. After two weeks, Oi Kim's whole countenance was changed. She was actually radiant. And after that time, she would take the lowliest of tasks in the house and do them with absolute joy. Wow. Now, what no one knew about Oi Kim was years earlier, she had given birth to a boy that had died. And she longed for a baby, for a son. One day, there was a knock at the mission. And Oi Kim had had a dream the night before that an old man had given her a baby and that she was to raise this baby as her own and for the glory of God. Oi Kim opened the door, and there on the doorstep was an abandoned Chinese baby boy. Oi come, took it as a sign from the Lord, and you know, told everyone, this is the baby that God had given me. At the same time, there was a rancher, a Chinese rancher, that she had known in her past. He was a good man, and he liked to visit her often. After he proposed and Dolly approved, the rancher and Oi come were married, and they took the little baby who she had named John, who was three years old at the time, with them. Oi come would make good food on the ranch for all the guests and she received pay for this because she also worked on her husband's ranch she saved all her money in order to pay off all her creditors she wanted to pay off the all the debts she owed she gave the last payment to dolly to give it to the man she owed 100 dollars to however when dolly took the payment to the man he refused it he said i've canceled the debt she owes me nothing oi come said that was not safe and she insisted that Dolly try again. Dolly tried again and again. The man said, no, I will not accept it. So Oi Kim came to San Francisco herself with the money and gave it to the merchant herself. The merchant was so amazed that he said to Oi Kim, if this is your religion, 
I want to know more <laughs> of it. It's really remarkable Isn't that? for her to be the biggest threat. Yes. And then to turn be into one of the biggest blessings. In yep. with boundaries. Yep. Well done, Dolly. Yes. But then the Lord had that miraculous work. This is only one of so many stories. Oh. But um, by 1910, Dolly was rescuing Japanese women as well as white women or any woman who sought to be rescued from the slave trade. That same year, while she was speaking for an annual meeting at the Presbyterian Church, Dolly, now in her 40s, noticed a good-looking man smiling as she spoke. After the uh, meeting, she met these uh, two young girls who were sisters, Mary and Gertrude, and they were absolutely fascinated by the work that Dolly did. Um, She invited them to come and tour the mission, and they were so excited. But then they invited Dolly to come to the East Coast and share there about the work that she was doing. They said, well, bring our friends. We want everyone to know about this work. Um, And they also introduced her to their father, who happened to be the older man that Dolly had seen smiling at her while she spoke. His name was Nathaniel Tooker. He was a wealthy widower and a businessman from the East Coast. He supported many, many missions. He had one son in the business with him, and another was a medical missionary in China. Dolly went back to the East Coast and visited Nathaniel and his daughters in East Orange, New Jersey. He had a large house that was named Evergreen Place. And while there, Nathaniel accompanied her wherever she spoke and took her to dinner often. On a ferry ride one evening, he asked Dolly to marry him. He told her they would travel together and support missions. Dolly said yes. And Gertrude and Mary were overjoyed. Dolly had wanted to be married, and uh, finally, it had happened again a third time in her life. And Nathaniel's in his early 40s, and she's in her... Nope, she's in her 40s. Nathaniel is in his 50s. Ah, He's older. Um, Dolly returned to San Francisco and began to ready herself for married life. Her first order was to find a replacement for her at the mission house. And she and Nathaniel set their wedding date for July 26, 1911. They planned a honeymoon in China. Then weeks before the wedding, Dolly received a telegram from Mary and Gertrude. It read, lean hard and take courage. Father died today. Oh. It would seem that Nathaniel was walking down the street when (laughs) when he suddenly fell over dead. And they don't know whether it was aneurysm or a heart attack. Dolly was grief-stricken. Teen Wu. I'm by, a little grief-stricken. Yes, no. oh. Teen Wu, by this time, had been on the East Coast um, being educated uh, for eight years. Six years at a boarding school and then two years at a graduate school. When she heard about what happened to Dolly, she said, I owe everything to Miss Cameron. And she took a train right back to the mission house. And from that day forward, wouldn't leave Dolly's side. For a time, Dolly had wanted to start a home for young children because so many of the young girls that were rescued had really bad habits and used terrible profanity. And Dolly hated all those cute little toddlers that were being exposed to all the bad language and kind of the... um, the ways of the girls who had yeah. not yet, you know, fully been sanctified. Because of what they had come out of. Right. So she longed to have a separate home for the children. So Mary and Gertrude took her, sent Dolly the money to buy a home at 953 11th Street in Oakland. It had a large backyard in an area where the children would have their own garden and could run and play. 
32 children filled the house immediately, along with a few of the rescue women who went to tend the children. Now, uh, World War I uh, is upon them, mm. about 1914, and the mission house knit socks and scarves for the soldiers. The girls also volunteered to pick fruit at local farms and dry them. In this way, the girls were able to earn about $100 each to buy themselves new clothes. After World War I, the Spanish flu hit hard mm-hmm. in San Francisco. It was brought in by rats that plagued the city. Dolly was close to Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Cecil Gamble of Proctor and Gamble. She often sought out their home for a restful retreat. One day, as she was resting at their house, they presented her with a gift of stocks in their company to supplement her meager pension. Dolly then retired after 40 years of service. She was now in her 60s, mm. and the need was not as pressing as it had once been. Most of the prostitution was... Um, of the Chinese girls was over because of a new ruling by um, the United States. She retired to Palo Alto to live and care for her sisters. And after she retired, the stocks increased in value so that she was able to buy the house and support her sisters and Teen Wu, who all lived together. Dolly turned out to be a favorite resident in Palo Alto, and she was known for her kindness. One time she was uh, visiting a bakery and she noticed that the girl had a like a bruise on her hand and she cupped her hand in, in both of her hands and said, oh, my dear, you're so cold. And so she warmed her hands and um, she was just such a blessing to the residents of uh, Palo Alto. Everybody loved her. Just her compassion meter yep. was so high from all those years with those girls. She just wasn't afraid to reach out. Nope. It's she, so lovely. She was um pursued by reporters all the time who wanted to write about the mission house. Um, There are some articles that you'll read, like I read this one, like, oh, it kept this couple apart and the girl had to run away. And yet they still said nice things about Culbertson for saving this girl. It's, uh, you know, there was the reporters were so some of them so corrupt themselves. And so she just ditched the reporters, you know, like I'm not I just want to stay away from them. Some of them gave them glowing reports, but she didn't want to be famous either. So, Mm. you know, they would tell her, oh, it's a reporter. And she would usually hide from the reporter. She just didn't want the notoriety. Um, At the same time, uh, she was visited almost every day uh, by some of her former uh, rescues. And her nephew complained that when he went to visit her, on one of her birthdays, he had to wait in a line that circled around the block, two blocks, uh, in order to tell her happy birthday because of all the girls. Now, you've got to remember, I had said before, two to 3,000 girls were saved from the slave trade. Right, and probably closer to 3,000 than right. the two. Right, absolutely. And yes. these girls grew up, and they loved Dolly. So she... Uh, received letters from the girls. She wrote prolifically uh, during those uh, years of her life. So I want you to realize, so she retired somewhere in her 60s, but she lived to be 98 years old. Did she really? Yes. So that whole time she is writing uh, prolifically. Um, When she was 97, she complained that she hadn't wanted to live that long and had no idea that she would ever (laughs) live that long. Um, but anyone who came over, she loved to tell the stories of the young girls she had met, and she thrilled at every visit. She kept a plaque on the wall with um, an ap- excerpt from Habakkuk 318 that she had 
always kept.、Mm. And it was, yet I will rejoice. And for those of you who maybe are familiar with Habakkuk 3, that's where Habakkuk、uh, comes to accept the word of the Lord and the Lord's will. And he says, even if、uh, the vine does not produce grapes and、yes. uh, the cows in the stall, there's no cow in the stall and everything goes wrong, even so, I will rejoice. In the Lord.、Yes. And so, no matter what the circumstances, she would look at that and say, Yet I will rejoice. In 1967, she fell and broke her hip. I'm thinking, you know, I'm seven years old. I know. Yes, I was so alive. So close I know. To, I was like, I wish I had met her. She spanned I know. almost a century.、It's、That's amazing. right. Amazing. So, she went to the hospital. Two of her girls were visiting and they noticed she needed a manicure. They each took a hand and did her nails. Such was、oh. the devotion of these girls that she had rescued. On January 4th, she told Teen Wu that she wanted to go home. She just said, I want to go home. And she tried to get up and get dressed. An interesting thing about Dolly is every day she got up and got dressed and she loves style. She, she's a very stylish dresser, no matter what. She just. Loved clothes and loved to dress stylish, which almost endeared her to the girls because she also, and they would talk about like girl things, you know, yes, like loving、yes. styles. She wasn't this austere matron, like, you know, who was just, you know, comrade, you know, you have affairs、right. out and be happy. No, she loved、San、clothes、Francisco、too. Style right. And, and so, and she loved、mm. to, you know, get new hats. And <laughs> that was just Dolly. So, um, She tried to get out of the hospital bed and dress. And Teen Wu said, All right, I'll take you home, but first we're going to have devotions. So Teen Wu、mm. opened the Bible and was reading to her and looked up. And when she looked at Dolly, she realized that Dolly had gone home to be、oh. with Jesus. And so, interestingly enough, The mission house is still there. I think we mentioned this in part one.、Yes. And it still stands at 920 Sacramento Street. In 1942, it was renamed the Donald Adina Cameron House, and that's the name it goes by today. Their statement of faith is this Rooted in the Christian faith and our Presbyterian heritage, we believe that God calls us to be an empowering presence in the community. We provide a safe place. Are a trusted friend and advocate. Meet people where they are and walk with them as they fulfill their lives. We are a resource for people to explore faith and spirituality, and we believe and share Christian principles. Our work is a manifestation of God's love. We demonstrate God's loving kindness through our service and stewardship. All people are welcomed. Every person is worthy of love and respect and will be treated as such. We promote justice. For all. Well, I mentioned earlier that not every girl who came to the mission house became a Christian. Dolly said that the vast majority did. And one of the girls testified, We were loved into the kingdom. Oh, and, just, got, and Margaret,、uh, her predecessor. Hearing yes, that, you know, it's so true. So、yes. basic, so true, so but to、good. see it demonstrated in、yes. a life. Margaret had been more militant,、Beautiful. her predecessor,、yes. but、yes. Dolly had this thing 
yeah. God is so beautiful and so real and yeah. so loving. Let's just love them into the kingdom. Yeah. Let's just show them so much love. And again, it was Dolly's love that had won Teen Woo over, uh, not only yeah. to Dolly, but to Jesus himself. And, you know. Isn't it in John 15, 35? Yes. This will all men know, know that you are my disciples. Yes. If you love one another. Yeah, I think it's 13, Thank 35. You. Yeah. But. Terrible with so numbers. So true. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I know the scriptures, the addresses. Alive. Yes. Yeah. The, the vibrancy of those yes. words were played out in her life. And yep. so that's the role model that we love being able to give uh-huh. to each generation. That's right. Wherever we are with the Lord to just be. Yeah, going back to his word as she did with Habakkuk, and yes. this is her foundational. Yes. Yet verse. I will rejoice. And you know the thing about Dolly too is, it, truly the love is outstanding. At the risk of her own life, she loved the girls. You know more than her own life, and you know it talks about those with the testimony revelation, and they did not account their lives dear to them. Mm-hmm. And to Dolly, mm-hmm. the lives of those Chinese girls or the mm-hmm. Japanese girls or the other women that came at the end were more important to her than even her own mm. life. No wonder she didn't expect to live to be 98 years old. You know, no. She's like, oh, I'll die. Here? I'll die young. <laughs> but, you know, but I'll go be with Jesus. And I think that kind of attitude of just loving to the uttermost, you know, just yes. loving the Lord and loving his people. And then um, is, you know, is key to why Dolly became a woman worth knowing. And was willing to stay at this mission house. Again, can you imagine how arduous? I mean, the girls came in sometimes with infectious diseases. I mean, Dolly saw oozing pores and, you know, horrid sights. The things that she rescued these girls from, uh, mm. the trauma of just sometimes hearing those stories. You know, I, I know a friend who worked for the courthouse and her her right hand started uh, stopped working. She used to, you know, take notes. Uh, she was Instead of being a, she was a court reporter and her hand stopped working and she went to the doctor and he said, there's nothing wrong with your hand. Send her to a psychologist and the psychologist said, your hand is rebelling against the trauma that you have to write down. Oh, really? And I think of Dolly and how intrepid yes. she was, even through hearing those stories and, yes. and what she saw. And instead of kind of getting involved in the trauma of it, she just set to work in the healing process. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be part of the healing and restoration process. Mm-hmm. And that's what she did. You know, she not only rescued, she healed, she trained, she restored. And I love the dots in the story where yes. we see the uh, um, the Presbyterian support of what they right. were doing all right. the way through. And the Procter & Gamble that came along and gave her stock. And the, and the Bordens. So that, Borden's right, Dairy. The I Borden's, remember Borden's right. Dairy. Right. Yeah. So that... As as much of a ministry for those who supported and gave and provided firm foundation and let us know how we can help, that all working together is beautiful. Then you see the body of yep. Christ yep. accomplishing yep. unbelievable yep. things. Yep. And, you know, um, too, she being um, a Scot, she was Presbyterian. And so that all worked <laughs> together, too, and to an yes. advantage because that had been her her background too, and then the foreign missions, and I, I find it fascinating how many of her own relatives, maybe because of her story, had gone to China, and you know they would have had contacts in China because of the girls that Dolly sent back, and again, um, mm-hmm. many of the Bible women. One of the things I like about the book uh, that we mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Fierce Compassion, uh, that was just one of the books that I got information from. I searched um, websites, and I also. Uh, used a, another book uh, 
But one of the 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 things that um, I wasn't able to go in was the myriad of stories. I chose my five favorite, but in Fierce Compassion, there's a whole chapter that just deals with her ledger and one story after another of the girls that were saved mm. out of this and how they were saved and what became of them. And it's so it's it's so thrilling. It's like a hallelujah moment where you're just like, what, what do I say? Hallelujah. You know, this is so exciting. <laughs> so. Anyway, I was really thrilled uh, to discover Donda Ladina. I'm so glad Cameron, you brought her to us. And I, I know I've been talking to you about her for weeks. Yes. I've been saying, no, no, I got to do Donna Ladina. Yes, yes. Wait till you hear. Wait till you see. It's going to be so good. And I'm trying so to find in the book here because this really fascinated me. Oh, so the people that influenced her... One of them, Harriet Beecher Stowe. Yes. She listed as yes. one of Did you see? Yes. yes. And I didn't mention that. Right. Yes. And also Amy Carmichael. That's right. So she had women worth yes. knowing. Yes. That exactly. influenced her. They were her role models. That's right. Women of faith. Yes. That, because, you know, that's so why we wonderful. do what we do, because it is so important to hear these stories and realize that God also wants you. He wants yes. me. And he's inducting us, if we're willing, into his service uh, yes. to to make a difference. And the women that were highlight, they made a difference, you know, because they said yes, because they said yes to the Lord. Who was our Josephine Gray Butler? Said yes. It, it, yeah, and she said, yes, uh, one woman. One woman plus God is, is a, a majority. majority. <laughs> I love it. And for us to be able to have their lives before us, builds our courage and our faith That's right. because we are telling you how ordinary these women were. That's right. But they trusted God. That's right. And nothing is impossible with God. That's right. So until next time with another woman of faith, this is Cheryl Broderson and Robin Gunn. Looking forward to being with you again. That's right. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn.